Welcome to Changeable. This is episode number 18, Recovery from Within, with Rebecca Perkins and B. R. Scott. You're tuned in to Changeable with Dr. Amy Johnson. Changeable podcast is all about breaking habits, ending anxiety, and the ironic way change really works. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to Changeable. In this episode, I'm talking with Rebecca Perkins and B. R. Scott, a mother and daughter duo who share this new paradigm with people really, really beautifully, particularly with regard to their experience with anorexia. So Rebecca and B's experience with anorexia was that several years ago, B struggled with it. She was diagnosed with anorexia and really had a, a tough time at it for quite a few years. And Rebecca, as her mother, B was a teenager, I believe at the time living at home. So, you know, as the mother of a teenager struggling with anorexia, that's Rebecca's experience inside of this is as that caretaker. Now, they didn't have this understanding of the new paradigm while they were going through this. So again, this was several years ago now. And B's recovery was largely, you know, the treatment that she went through was largely old paradigm. It was, it was wonderful treatment and just the best that they could see to do given what they understood and what was available to them. And she clearly did, you know, get through it and, and make it a pretty far way with that old paradigm treatment. But as they'll share and as they talk about widely, you know, coming to see this new paradigm really kind of pushed them through to the end in a sense. So there was um, there was a lot of healing. There was a lot of recovery. There was a lot of health. And they'll both say that once they came across this new paradigm and really saw how things worked and really saw that they had always been well. And they had just really been caught up in whatever they were caught up in in the time, you know, that that understanding, like getting a feel for this kind of pushed them through to the point to where B will tell you now she's never going to be back there again. And before this new, this new paradigm, before this understanding, she wasn't saying that. So Rebecca and B have written a really amazing book together called Recovery from Within, A Mother and Daughter's Journey Through Anorexia. I'm honored to have been asked to write the foreword for that book. And it's it's an excellent book. And it's actually available right around the time that this podcast is coming out. So sometime in November of 2018, you can find that on Amazon. And I'll link to it in the show notes. So as you're listening to my conversation with Rebecca and B, listen for the resilience and wisdom behind what they share. And I really hope you enjoy this conversation. Hi, Rebecca and B. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. Hi, Amy. Uh, it's wonderful to be here. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. So I love, um, I love that you guys are a mother and daughter team in many ways, and and that you know the way that you share this understanding that we talk about here on the podcast, and how you're sharing it in your new book, and just kind of, kind of how you've lived it and experienced it together in sort of different ways. So you, I'd love to hear you kind of share your story, but just to kind of summarize it. For everyone listening, B had anorexia for a while and really was kind of caught up in that until she wasn't, you know, and she can she can say it in her words. And then Rebecca is her mother who was caring for her and all the hard, difficult, challenging things that come with seeing someone that you love suffering. 
And um, she didn't have this understanding until she did. So I love that kind of just transformation story. So um, maybe if it's okay, B, we'll kind of start with you and tell us just a little bit about how things were for you initially, like how they looked in terms of um, what you were struggling with and then sort of what shifted for you. About 10 years ago now, I was diagnosed with um, anorexia. Um, and I didn't even know at the time, it wasn't kind of a deliberate choice that I made to kind of start re- restricting my um, my food intake, but it was something that, that happened and seemed to kind of make sense at the time. Um, and over those kind of kind of two to three years, I guess, that um, I was kind of in the depths of it. It just kind of, it, it took over my whole world. It was all I ever thought about. I know we obviously with this understanding, we kind of talk a lot about thoughts and I was just in a whole kind of thought storm for, for a solid like three years. Um, and it meant that I just wasn't, I wasn't aware, I wasn't experiencing anything else in life. So I, I actually don't remember a huge amount about what else was going on in life around that time because my world was completely revolved around what I was or, or wasn't eating. Um, so it kind of illustrates, illustrates so perfectly how powerful thought can be because to me, the thoughts that were going around in my head were just saying, no, don't eat that. You can't, you couldn't possibly eat that or you need to lose more weight or, or whatever it might've been. Um, so really it was, it just kind of controlled my whole my whole existence really. Um, and then over the kind of the, uh, the years after that, after I was kind of signed off from the hospital, uh, I got a lot better and it wasn't, it, it didn't play such a big role in my life, but I always, I always felt that there was something still there. And I always thought that I, tr- I truly believed that it was always going to be a part of me and a part of my identity um, because that's what I was kind of told as well, that I would always have those um, kind of unhealthy eating habits and that kind of unhealthy relationship with food. Um, but it wasn't until really quite recently, until the end of last year, where a good friend of ours, um, uh, we, were, we were talking and I was talking about my blacklist, which is essentially uh, a list um, that I created in my head, completely created by me, um, of all the foods that were off limits to me. No one ever told me to create this list. No one ever told me to what to put on it. But I created it nonetheless. And even though I was, um, I, I didn't feel like anorexia was kind of still a big part of my life, that list was still kind of hanging around and it would dictate what I would eat at restaurants or what I'd buy in the shops. Um, but it wasn't until this friend of ours, Mary, she kind of just gently said to me, you know, it's not real, right? And that just, that, those few words just changed everything. And it's actually kind of giving me goosebumps right now. <laughs> But it's crazy how something that has something as simple and something that's make believe like that, that has dictated what, what I eat and what I don't eat for so long and how it can be changed in, in just a matter of words. 
Um, so for me, that was really kind of a turning point and that kind of opened up the floodgates for me to actually start questioning, well, what else? Like if this, if this kind of, um, list of mine isn't real, then what else isn't real? What other thoughts am I having and beliefs do I still have, um, around food or just everything else in life that isn't actually real? So for me, like a really um, kind of important part of this whole understanding is just having this ability to challenge and, and question the stories that we've been telling ourselves for so long and the beliefs that we just take as facts. And as soon as you kind of start scratching at the, at the edges and they, things just kind of fall away. So for me, that's, it's, that's exactly it. It's been kind of just a, a falling away of all of these restrictive um, and kind of harmful beliefs that I've held for so long that I just feel so much freer. <laughs> it's amazing. Like when you talk about those three years that you were just so in it. And at that time you had no concept like, like we don't, right? That you're even in thought. I mean, it was just kind of your reality and that's exactly what happens. You know, we're such a fish in water for a period of time. And then and then it sounds like you you found some relief or some help, but then this last bit of really having that water revealed to you, like, oh, wait, there's more. Sounds like it was a huge shift. Yeah, it really was. And I think, I think that's exactly it. Like, unless you know what's going on behind the scenes, unless you know that, or someone kind of points out that you can challenge your own thinking and the fact that it is only thought after all. Um, I think that's, it's, it can be, and it is like truly transformational. I can now say that I feel like I'm fully recovered. I, it doesn't play a role in my life anymore, which for me is even a year ago would have seemed a bit crazy because I was still very much of the thought of the kind of belief that it would always kind of remain a part of my identity, but the kind of the freedom that comes with realizing that that's not the case is amazing, really. Yeah, because you don't have to be afraid of anything. You know, you don't have to be afraid if your mind does go there or if if things come up or whatever happens. It's I can feel that and how you share it. That's that's awesome. Um, so let's go to Rebecca for a minute, then we'll we'll kind of go back and forth a little bit. So, Rebecca, I'm curious because I don't know this about you. Um, how did you come across this understanding and the principles? Like, did you? Did you have some some understanding of this while B was going through her anorexia at all, or was it after the fact? How did you come across this? Well, I came across the principles just over two years ago now, so June 2016, I guess that is. Um, and a friend, so I'd, I was a qualified coach and NLP practitioner and had been for te- over 10 years. And I uh, had met up with a friend for coffee and she started talking to me. She said, I need to talk to you about something and started saying these words and there was mind and consciousness and thought. And I was thinking, what on earth are you on about? But there was a feeling I got from her, which was, I need to listen to what she's saying. Didn't understand what she said. And she put me in touch with somebody, um, Kimberly Hare. And she said, just go and spend some time with her. And I, and I, she, Kim lived nearby so I went and sat with her for an hour or so and just as B said I've got goosebumps again now because it was like what she was saying and again I had no idea word for word what she was saying but it was that feeling that oh this it's this this is it 
because unconsciously I'd still been looking for something. NLP was great, but there was something missing. There was, it was, there, there was effort involved. And I remember saying to Kim at the time, oh, this makes life make sense. That, this makes sense now. And then I just kind of, I was greedy for information and I read everything and I listened to everything and, and it just made more and more sense. And then when I thought back to times and still do when, when B was ill, there were moments when she was ill that it was really easy. And there were times when she was ill that it was really, really hard. And what I now see is that it was when I was caught up in my thinking that it was hard and when it was, when I almost put my hands up in the air and said, I don't know what to do now, is when my mind was able to still and wisdom would come through and, and that's when B and I would make a shift forward, if that makes sense. So it's joining the dots backwards. It's like uh, I can see the pattern. I can see where it made sense and where it didn't make sense. And that's, that's so such a helpful thing, I think, for people who are kind of new to this to hear because, um, and, and by the way, we just had an episode with Mary Schiller where she talked about the exact same thing where it's like she had, you know, 30 plus years of really severe PTSD symptoms. And, it, and it's hard for somebody to look at that and say, yeah, you're telling me you're healthy? Like, look at the hell you lived through for 30 years. Like, look at what B lived through and what you lived through with her for three solid years, you know, for so long. But, but we can only see what we know and what we expect to see. So what you're sharing is so helpful for people who are kind of questioning this, I think, and saying, no, 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 I don't see evidence of this anywhere. You can't until you do. And then when you kind of have that sense of it, like you're saying, and so many people have shared, then you see it all over the place. You know, and then you see, and, and B touched on this too in her story, like I was just living in this, but I had no idea what I was living in. It just looks like life. But I love that how it, in retrospect, makes so much sense. No, that's abs- absolutely true. Absolutely true. And it was so beautiful listening to B share her story there again and seeing this. I mean, the understanding for me has been extraordinary personally, but to see it unfolding in my children as well is, <laughs> yeah, you know, you've got children. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, what was the best you saw to do when she was struggling? That might not be a, a good or fair question, but I'm, I want to get a feel for kind of what, what looked reasonable and kind of where your mind went to try to support her before this understanding. Oh, it's, it's so interesting, actually, because um, what comes to mind when you say that is that somebody said to me when she was ill, I don't understand how you let her speak to you the way she does. Okay, we just had a fiery exchange. And I remember saying, but it's not B. That's just what she's going through right now. And, and kind of, I think from NLP terms, that was behavior. It's what, and, and now what I see is that she was doing the best she could with the, the, with the thought storm that she was going through. Um, and I knew not to take it personally. And that was a really big thing for me. And I saw, there were moments that I did but there were moments that I really saw that what I needed to do above everything was to love her, to love her utterly unconditionally, whatever was being thrown at me in, in the moment. Because I saw, B talks a lot about the illusion, when she saw the illusion, and in a way it was seeing through the, the illusion that was creating this 
behavior in me. And, and, and there were moments that, that it, it felt like it was breaking me, but it didn't. It was just, you know, feeling that emotion. And then, and then we were back again, you know, and we were able to, um, to be in that space where it was like you, you messaged me, B messaged me the other day, we were editing the book and, and she said there was something that I'd written which had made her emotional, which was the times that B would come and sit next to me on the, on the couch or she'd say, can I come out for a dog walk with you? Where, we, where would, we would be in the most beautiful, companionable silence. And yet half an hour before, there could have been slamming doors and banging and you know, fear and everything. It was just being, I think what I see now is that it was just, we were just being with whatever was showing up in life. And that's something that might feel really hard for people that are listening in, but it is being in it all. Yeah. And it's so hard sometimes because things look so right or wrong or dangerous or safe or good or bad, or we're moving in the right direction or we're not. Or I know, you know, people get so in their heads about, um, so understandably in their heads about, am I doing the right thing or the wrong thing on either side, the parent or the person struggling or the carer, you know, or the person struggling. And, and it's so nice to kind of have this, this framework that we have of knowing, okay, when we're questioning, when we're suffering, when we're confused, that's only one thing. When, when life looks like there are tons of restrictions and limits, like, like how you lived for so long, be like, that that is only showing us one thing that we're in that psychology that we're in the illusion and that's it and to know that is huge and then it's still scary maybe in the unknown it's still weird and uncomfortable in that place but but it's awesome yeah to know something about that know something about it so be um how did you start to see through this illusion like as you were getting healthier were you getting healthier like, were you seeing things? Um, you weren't fully because you still had the blacklist. There's still a lot of thinking that looked real to you that you didn't see as thinking. But did you start to get on to the fact that, like, like Rebecca just said, that when you were wanting to restrict and do those behaviors, that that wasn't you, that that was more your mind? So when, when I was kind of in, in the thick of it with, um, with anorexia and when mom would kind of say to me, this isn't you, like this isn't the real B. I would kind of scream back at her, what are you talking about? Of course it's me. Uh, I don't know why you keep thinking that there's this kind of alter ego that is um, kind of screaming at you right now. And I think kind of a, a part of me is never really seen it as a kind of separate part of me. But, but I guess it's kind of reflecting back on it now where you can just see, totally see the kind of the, the transience of thought and how it can go through those peaks and troughs and how, as mum was saying, woman, I can be in a really, really awful mood and just not wanting to speak to anyone and anything that anyone said to me was the wrong thing. Um, but then the next I could be kind of crumpled in a heap and crying because... I don't know what to do. And I think that just kind of, I think on reflection, I can see it all kind of laid out like that now. Whereas even in the years afterwards, I guess I've never really, never really thought about it, never really reflected on what was really going on. 
maybe because I didn't really want to dig into it because I was afraid that that might trigger something that would kind of put me back in that place because I was very much at that time still in the view that it would it was still there lurking somewhere and that it was still kind of a part of me but looking back on it now I can totally see how the feelings that I was the feelings and emotions that I was experiencing was just completely a, a result of the the kind of the up and downs of my thinking. And how when you would go sit next to your mom or or go for the dog walk, like that was wisdom. That was a clearing, you know? So it's so amazing to look back to and just see how it's always been there. You just don't have the eyes to see it. And I think like instinct is, and or wisdom or, or whatever you want to call it is, it's, I think it's pretty, it's really underrated. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, even now, so, um, I mean, in, in the book that we've just written towards the end, I kind of talk about how even now I still sort of fall back into some of the, the old thinking that I used to have, the kind of thinking patterns and habits because I had them for so long that there, you kind of can't expect them to just vanish, um, immediately. But one thing that happened recently is that I went into, I went into a shop to buy something for lunch and there was so much choice and it, it, I became really overwhelmed. And I suddenly started thinking, what should I be eating rather than what do I really want to eat right now? And I was suddenly thinking, kind of taken back 10 years kind of looking at all these salads and sandwiches and everything thinking oh god how many calories are in each one which one's going to make me feel full which one's kind of going through this whole kind of checklist of things but then what I'm able to do now is catch myself early and so much quicker than I would have done in the past. I mean, I don't think I even would have caught myself last time. And just notice that all that's happening right now is that I'm getting a bit kind of caught up in in my head. So then instinct or wisdom kicks in. I go for a walk, just take myself out of that situation, kind of go for a walk, let my mind settle, go back, pick up immediately within a few seconds the thing that I really, really fancy eating, and then go go eat it. And I think even, even those kind of simple things can sometimes kind of take me back to that unhelpful thinking. But what I think is important is not beating yourself up about it. And it's just noticing that it's happening because having a whole load of judgment about the thinking that I know I really shouldn't be having isn't going to serve me at all. So I think it was, it was actually quite an interesting experience because I was like, huh, okay, that's interesting. And then now I can kind of use it as an example of this is exactly how it all works. And this is how things have changed because how many years ago I would have been, actually it wasn't, it wasn't even that long ago. It was maybe just over a year ago when that exact same thing happened. I totally freaked out and had to leave and I just couldn't eat for the, like the rest of the afternoon just because I was, I, I was totally panicked and it completely freaked me out. And this was kind of before, before the principles. yeah, this is, this is before I kind of, um, 
knew much about the implications of this understanding. I love, um, it's such a great illustration of, I remember a client, maybe they still do, I don't know, but for a long time, clients would always ask me um, when I would talk about my own eating issues, like, oh, well, how long did it take for those thoughts to go away? And do you ever have those thoughts anymore? Like that was the holy grail. That was as good as it got, right? Is they're never going to come back. And I still had them all the time. I don't all the time now, but it's not, you know, it, it happens. But at that time, I still had them regularly, but I, but kind of like you're sharing, it was like, I just deal with it and bounce back from it quickly. And I loved that because like, you're kind of, like I can see that. And when you share it, it's like, oh, isn't this cool? I get to see how far I've come. I get to see that this same thing that a year ago had me going one way, you know, like I bounce back so much faster. And I just think that's like, that's really the holy grail, right? Where you just get to be human and not worry about what shows up and just watch that bounce back, get faster and faster. And I think the difference is that now it's almost like I'm kind of watching myself. So I'm not, I'm not involved. I'm, I'm kind of watching the thoughts rather than being totally in them and kind of experiencing that whole kind of 3D kind of version of them. That actually I feel much more detached from them, which I think, well, which, which I love. Because yeah. <laughs> then I can pick and choose which ones I really want to kind of dive into more and which ones I can kind of just brush away. It's amazing to me listening to you guys that you've only, not that it's a time thing, but that you've only been around this for a short period of time, really, you know? I mean, it, and it just speaks to how true this is, that we just get a glimpse of something that's so true. And you guys are just sharing with such simplicity and in ways that, you know, people who have been around this for decades share. Um, just, to, just to wrap up, I'd love to hear from each of you. Um, I'm sure people listening, definitely people listening are caught up in stuff. Um, likely eating disorders, or they know someone who is. So um, maybe start with Rebecca and just like, I don't know, what's one thing you would love to say to somebody maybe who's in the situation that you were in before? Oh gosh, it's um, the thing that's just come into my head is about non-judgment. The, the quote that I love so much from Sydney Banks is that we're all doing the best we can given the thinking that, that looks real to us. Because in that moment, it looks really real. And if we add judgment into that as well, then it's just, it's just too big a weight to be carrying. So it's, if we can, just as B said, give ourselves a bit of a break and not judge ourselves for whatever we're feeling, whether we're feeling rage, despair, resentment, you know, devastating love and but panic to you know from a carer's perspective is just to I guess not be afraid of all of those feelings but know that that we're we're doing the best we can and I had so many judgments about myself myself as a mother you know and I saw that when I really believed those it just made things worse so it's um, being gentle being gentle with yourself that's the big thing I want I would want to share Thank you. How about you, B? I would say not taking your thinking so seriously, even when it looks really real. And I think having the the courage to start to challenge some of those unhelpful thoughts or stories that keep coming back and that are actually really limiting you 
um, in in what you can do and in your life more generally. For me, that's been that's been hugely important, not just in relation to eating disorders, but um, kind of more broadly. I mean, okay, kind of an example is at work when um, it was a couple of years ago. Now I had a bad experience when. I was giving a presentation to a big room of people and it was one of those horrible nightmare moments where your mouth goes dry and no words come out, but it was actually real. And from that moment onwards, because that happened once, that became my story, that I became someone who was terrible at public speaking. But it wasn't until kind of this, I kind of got into this understanding more that I suddenly went back to that and that kind of part of what had become my identity and just started questioning it even though I still felt sick when I gave presentations I just had the the kind of the courage to pretend like what if what if I could be a great public speaker and that that's exactly what I did I the next time I had to give a presentation I just said okay, today I'm just going to, just going to, just for fun, I'm going to pretend that I'm a really great public speaker. And I gave the best presentation I'd ever given. And then I was like, huh, so nothing has actually, nothing about me has actually changed, but it's just my mindset and my state of mind and my attitude, which is not, hasn't got anything to do with the outside world. It's not got anything to do with who's in the audience or the content of the presentation. It's, it's all inside me. And I think just having, having that confidence to just start kind of scratching at the edges and even just identifying some of those thoughts and beliefs and stories that are holding all of us back, because we all have them, whatever they are. Just having the courage to, to start questioning and, and see where you go from there. Thank you so much, you guys, for being here and for sharing with everyone. I can't wait for people to read your book, Recovery from Within, and I'll have details about it around this podcast. It should be out probably around the same time this episode is, but so exciting. I've, I've seen pieces of it. I haven't read it all yet, but I, I can tell it's amazing and it's a really great conversation. So thank you guys so much for sharing with us. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much, Amy. Thank you for listening to Changeable. If you're enjoying this podcast, please let me know. Please subscribe and leave a review so that others who need change can find their way here. And if you want more on how change really happens, head over to dramyjohnson.com and grab the free PDF, Three Simple Ways to Break Free from Habits, Anxiety, and Addiction, Even When You Already Tried Everything Else. <laughs>